This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Do you know the difference between warp drive and impulse power? Do you have an opinion over which design of the USS Enterprise was the best? Do you remember when Klingons didn't have ridges on their foreheads? If you answered yes to those questions, then chances are you're a Star Trek fan. I would like to invite you to listen to my new podcast, The Prime Direction. For 50 years, Star Trek has been affecting people from all walks of life, teaching life lessons and changing the lives of people all over the world. The Prime Direction is the story of those fans. On every episode, I'll sit down with a lifelong fan of Star Trek and trace their fandom back to the very beginning. We'll talk about their favorite characters, the toys they played with, and what their favorite series is. But more importantly, we'll talk about how the show has made their life better. So join me on The Prime Direction on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as our website at CosmicPotato.com. And if you'd like to be on the show, just send me an email at mail at CosmicPotato.com, and we'll arrange a time for you to tell me about your prime direction. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 36 of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean and right now sitting across the virtual table from me is the one and the only John Irons. John, how are you? I'm good, but technically there's like four of us. <laughs> I'm sure if you looked in the phone book, there'd probably be about 50. <laughs> yeah, people to be believed. Depending on what city you're in. <laughs> right. Um, we got... A couple of things to talk about before we get into our uh, main topic. I was going to play a game tonight, but uh, since it's just you and me, it might not be as much <laughs> as much fun. I was going to play um, uh, Fresh or Rotten that I played on the last episode with uh, Rick and Kennedy. But I was I, I listened to that. I was I, I wanted to do it. I you want to you want to try it? I mean, yeah. it'll, it'll just be you guessing. <laughs> fine. Okay, so what I did to, to, to get these movie names is I went to a website, if I can remember the name of it, it's just like a random movie generator, and you tell it, just give me a random movie, and it would pop up. And as long as it was something that I had heard of before, because I didn't want to give you a bunch of movies that nobody's ever heard of, and have right. you try and guess, um, then I put them down. And most of these are from the 90s, and, well actually there's a couple 80s in here, so I've got six movies and they're all from between the 80s and now, so sometime in the last 30 or so years. So, And I'll give you the name of the movie and the year, 
And if you need to know who's in it and what the movie is about, I can give you that as well. So, all right. So the first one is Falling Down from 1993. Uh, yeah, that was uh, Michael Douglas as um, a um, fed up middle class white guy. Yeah. Gets fed up even more. Kind of snaps. Loses it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually liked that movie. Um, we're going for the, the, the critic rating, not the... Um, yeah, the the Rotten Tomatoes just takes all the actual critics and puts all their scores together and gives it whether it's a... It gives it a score out of 100. All right. I would imagine that that was pretty timely. Um, I, I think it did pretty well with the critics. Um, I would give it... I, I, I would say it probably got maybe... I mean, it wasn't a super original concept. Um, but I thought it was well executed. Um, I'm going to say 73. Man, you got it right on the nose. 73%. <laughs> I swear I'm not cheating. <laughs> I was about to say, are you looking it up? <laughs> yeah. 73%. Yeah. That was Michael Douglas. I also had Robert Duvall and Barbara Hershey. And, uh, I remember seeing it one time when it was on video. And my mom was walking through the room right when right when they say the F word at the end of the movie. And she's like, what are you watching? <laughs> All right. So the next one is from 2014. And it's Gone Girl. Uh, I actually have never seen that film. Oh. Um, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's on the list. Have you ever read the book? No, I haven't read the book. Like, I, I mean, I, I I want to. I just, it's, you know, just on the list of never got yeah. around to it. I would I would I would recommend the audio book. The audio book is about eighteen hours long, <laughs> but yeah. it, but it's 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 pretty good. I'll just rent it. I think probably. Yeah. Um, but I know that that was you know a critical darling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm gonna put that. In fact, I did it win the. I know it was nominated. I can't remember if it won. I don't think it won, but I, I could be wrong. But I, I don't think it did. So I'm definitely gonna put that in. The, I'm gonna say like a eighty eighty nine. Very close. It was 88. <laughs> You're really good at this game so far. So let me let me just explain. I'm not <laughs> I promise I'm not. Um, but uh, people who know me well know this about me. Um, if I had a mutant ability, <laughs> it would be that I'm really good at guessing like educated guessing on numbers yeah so like if like if like if somebody like randomly asks me what time it is i'm probably gonna know like within five minutes or so and i can't remember have we had this conversation did i ever tell you this i don't think so yeah but yeah that's if i if i have a superpower that's what it is <laughs> okay uh, so as, long, as long as like we're I'm, of course not i say that i'm gonna be way off on the next one yeah <laughs> yeah that's the way it works uh, but but well, yeah as long as it's a movie i've heard of i'm probably gonna be you know, at least within a ten point. Well, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure you've heard of all the ones that I've got on my list. I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to put anything that was so far out there because, like I said, uh, I I didn't know if High Chan or uh, Anthony was going to be here tonight, so I didn't want to put anything on there that High Chan would never have heard of and make it unfair. You know, so uh, this next one is from 1995, and it's Rumble in the Bronx. Oh wait, that's the Jackie Chan. Yeah, it was the first. It was the. It was like Jackie Chan's breakthrough in America. Even though, it, even though it was a Chinese movie and they dubbed it, but it was uh, it was the first movie that he made that was uh, that was big in America. 
I love that movie. Actually, that was that was the first Jackie Chan movie I saw in the theater. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like like you said, like most Americans, it was kind of my first. It wasn't. My, I think I'd seen him in something else, like yeah. just on video before that. But it was definitely the first one that I like saw, like as a movie when it came out. Yeah, if you stayed up and watched late night uh, TV, they they yeah. they would show some of his some of his kung fu stuff uh, from the eighties. Yeah. Um, now this is a little tougher because I don't know. He was really hot at that time too, obviously, uh, but I'm not sure how he did with the critics. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give him a. Uh, I'm gonna give him a seven. You know what? No, it was fun. If they appreciate fun, then. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll just go 70. I'll go 70 and see what they say. Okay. You were a little more off on that one. It's actually 79. Oh, so, I almost went 70, 80. Yeah. But, you, I mean, you hit the 70s. So, <laughs> some of these, you know, I've, I played this game with some uh, with people at work and stuff. And I would guess on some of them, I'd say, oh, yeah, that was probably 60-something percent. And they said, no, it was actually 13%. I was like, really? <laughs> you know? so, okay, so the next one is from the 80s. And it is from 1984, Starman. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff Bridges and Karen yeah, Allen. Yeah, just in this movie the other day, right? Or on on another show. It's come, yeah, it's come up before. Yeah. Um, that I don't know. I'm kind of mixed feelings on this. I'm, I'm not. I think I was too young to care about what the critics said. So I, don't, I have no idea what they were saying at the time. Um, for me. Uh, I liked the idea, but I felt like it kind of dragged in places. Uh, there were better sci-fi films out that kind of did the same thing at the time, so I'm guessing if the critics were comparing it, um, they probably would have gone a little bit lower. I'm going to say like a... I'm going to say like a... I don't know. Give it a... 42. Mm, no, you're way off on that one. It was 81. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty high. Some of these, what I've found is some of these older movies, you know, they didn't have Rotten Tomatoes in 1984, obviously. So some of these older movies, um, they get a little bit higher because critics tend to uh, be nostalgic for some of yeah. the stuff. And so they're the, the ratings get a little bit higher than, than it probably actually deserved. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Oh yeah. Bad. It was a great movie. I loved that movie, you know, even though I haven't seen it in years, but I remember, uh, w- wasn't that the movie where, wasn't there a scene where there was an alien that, uh, was kind of in the middle of transforming itself. And we got a close up of just like this white milky face or whatever. I think I saw that when uh, I was a kid and he, it scared he, me. <laughs> yeah. He was initially, he was like, he was basically born. Yeah. So he, he, he took the form of a human, but he did it like as a, as like an embryo. So he just kind of, <laughs> yeah. he just kind of evolved and grew up like right before her eyes in a matter of, you know, in a few seconds. Yeah. No apple pie. All right, we've got two more. This one's from 1987, okay. and it's Stakeout with Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez. Right. 18. No, it was a lot higher than that. It was 87. What? 87. What? Yeah. Hey, it actually got a sequel. You know, they had it. They had a, they had another Stakeout a few uh, in the 90s, so <laughs> it had to get high enough to get a sequel. 
<laughs> and this is the all right. This is the last one. This is the coup de gras. This is um from 2012. Okay. The name of the movie is One for the Money, and it stars Katherine Heigl, Jason O'Mara, and John Leguizamo. I know nothing about this film. Um, like I remember seeing the title. That's must- <laughs> I couldn't. Even, I couldn't even have told you who was in it. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. Maybe it'll jog my memory. Yeah. It, yeah. it had the well. The movie is about a a broke Jersey girl gets a job as a bail bondsman, and the hint is it has Katherine Heigl in it, and it came out after Knocked Up. Right. Okay. So like a thirty-four. It's actually lower than that. It's a two. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. But Katherine Heigl's career really took a nosedive after Knocked Up because she made some uh, public remarks about Seth Rogen and uh, and how the whole production was unprofessional. And then, of course, she won an Emmy for. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, the year that they had the writer's strike, and she got on stage and totally said, I don't deserve this because I wasn't given anything good to do this year, and all this kind of stuff. So she's kind of she's kind of uh, lost a lot of luster. She actually, the, the, she did a, a series last year. They only lasted a few episodes. But before that, the last thing I had seen her in was a NyQuil commercial. So, <laughs> and she didn't even have a line in it. So. All right, so yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, we're gonna dig into our main topic in just a minute, but I wanted to do something else first, and I started to do this separately from the show, but you know, our audience watches The Walking Dead, so um, Scott Madison, that was on our show uh, a couple months ago, he has a podcast called Next Time, the comic book prediction, the comic book television prediction podcast. That's the name of it. And uh, he takes TV shows that are based on movies, or TV shows based on comic books, like Gotham and The Flash and, and Arrow and things like that. And he takes what they've done so far, and he predicts what they're going to do in the next episode or in the next season of episodes. And The Walking Dead is based on a comic book, but he doesn't watch that show. So he's invited you and I to do a, a, about a five-minute uh, audio clip that he's going to play on his show. And I just thought that we would do it as part of this show. And, and then I'll just, I'll splice it out and send it to him separately. That, that way his audience will hear it and our audience will hear it as well. You know? Sure. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to introduce us to his audience and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we think is going to happen in the season premiere of the walking dead and in the, whole seventh season of the walking dead so uh i'm gonna do my this is an intro inside of an intro (laughs) okay so hi scott and hello to the listeners of next time uh my name is sean ray with me is john irons we're the host of cosmic potato the super fan talk podcast and we wanted to put together this little segment to talk about our predictions for this season of the walking dead season seven john doesn't start on october 23rd that sounds right. I know it's I know it's like mid October. Okay. Uh, it's either then or like the week before it. Okay. 
So The Walking Dead is based on a comic book that was created by Robert Kirkman, but he's gone out of his way in years past to make major changes between the two so that if you're a big fan of the comic, you won't necessarily be wise as to what's going to happen next. That way you'll you'll stay on your toes and it also cuts down on the annoying guys that we all know that that we work with that take pleasure in telling you what's going to happen next. I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones fans. <laughs> so uh john at the at the last um of last season the, the the season finale we had a pretty huge cliffhanger do you want to kind of de- describe to the audience what happened at that at the very end of that episode uh sure and actually um i rewatched the last two episodes um just last night in in preparation for this um so our heroes um, have been um, kind of in this Cold War sneak attack battle with um, another group who are led by the mysterious Negan. And, you know, our guys at this point, they're, you know, total badass. They've taken out, you know, everyone that they've come across. So they're feeling pretty invincible. And um, by the end of the season finale, they are the complete opposite of invincible. They're totally spoiler. They're totally, they're totally broken. Um, they're defeated. They're literally on their knees. And Negan um, has them all lined up and um, realizes or or announces that he's going to. Uh, I think the quote was "beat the holy hell mm-hmm. out of someone," and the presumption is that he actually beat them to death. But we don't know that for a fact. We just the 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 last scene, um, he's pointing at the camera. Obviously, one of the characters. We're in the uh, have the viewpoint of one of the characters. We don't know who, and he just starts wailing on them. And there's nasty beating, squishy sounds. Yeah, beating them with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah, that he calls Lucille. Lucille. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so the big cliffhanger is. You know who is taking this punishment, and or who who is he who is he killed? Yeah, and we're assuming I, that they actually did. We're assuming that they died because we did see, as from their point of view, their vision fills with blood, and the and what they're hearing kind of starts to become more and more distorted and 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 fades out as though see, I, as though they're kind of blacking out. I don't actually assume that he or she died. Um, I, Negan seems to me like the kind of person who, if he says he's going to beat you, then he's going to beat you. If he were going to kill you, he would tell you he's going to kill you. Yeah. So I don't think that he would say, I'm going to beat the hell out of you and then kill them. He would have just said, I'm going to beat you to death. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. I'm going to give my, this is my view of what I think is going to happen in the, in the premiere. I think. I think that he did kill somebody. And did did you read the comic book at all? I've never read the comic. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm going to say that this is kind of spoiling a little bit, but as I said, Robert Kirkman changes stuff all the time. There's characters alive now on the show that died years ago in the comic and there's um and vice versa. You know, there's characters that um are dead that 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 should be alive as far as what the, how the comics go, you know, uh, such as Carol's, uh, daughter that died a, 
couple of seasons back. In the comic book, she's still alive. You know, she was actually raised by Glenn and Maggie because um, Carol's actually supposed to be dead as far as the comics go. So my personal opinion is that Glenn got killed. And I've got a couple of reasons for that. And some one of them is because that's who it was in the comic. It was, it was Glenn, and he and he did die. Um, Negan ruthlessly murdered Glenn with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire in front of everybody. And as I said, they've they've changed things, so you know it it could be somebody else. They may be wanting to go a different route on the show, but in the last season or two, it seems like they're kind of merging the comics and the and the show a little more together there's more and more things happening on the show that follow what the comics have done so i think that they may be doing that and one of the things on the show that makes me think that it's that it's glenn is because i think that his his death would mean the most to the group i know it's not carl or rick because he says right before he starts hitting whoever it is if anybody moves, cut out the kid's other eye and feed it to his dad. You know, so it can't be one of those two. And right. I think that it's going to be somebody from the original group because I think it would mean more to the to the, the characters on the show if it's somebody from that original group, which leaves uh, Glenn, Maggie, and Daryl. And the kingdom is going to be a big part of this season. They've shown it on the... On the uh, on the preview, on the trailer that came out, there we do see the kingdom. And the kingdom is another survival group. And basically they all wear armor. And the head of the kingdom has a pet tiger that sits beside him and stuff like that. Maggie, in the comic, became the leader of the kingdom after a while. No, no, she didn't become the leader of the kingdom. She became the leader of the hilltop, which is the, the survival group that they've already met up with. And they kind of... Um, form an alliance with the kingdom to fight Negan. And a big part of Maggie's story arc in becoming head of Hilltop is because she lost Glenn, you know, and it kind of changed her. So I, I just, I think that they're going to stick with that. I think that they're going to, I think that Glenn's going to go. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I, <laughs> that's an interesting theory. Uh, and I've actually got a pro and a con. Okay your theory uh, uh i think maybe another reason it could be glenn is you know they, they kind of did a big semi cliffhanger in the middle of the season where you know he was uh we fell off the dumpster and yeah. you know for weeks is, is he dead is he alive is he dead is he alive so it's kind of like a soft a soft open on the <laughs> yeah on the on the, on the uh, glenn funeral you know, so this, you know, in as much as they could, uh, you know, kind of <clears throat> present uh, a world where Glenn is dead to the audience. Mm -hmm. You know, to kind of so they they will be familiar with that taste in their mouth before they actually do it. Yeah. Um. So that that you know that reinforces your theory also, but my personal theory, uh. As I said, I don't read the comics. I don't have all the inside information uh, that you did. Um, I think it's Abraham. I don't think it's someone from the original group. Um, I think it's one of the characters that's been there long enough that we care about them. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me, but not, um, but not one of the core 
um, you know, not not Glenn, and like you said, obviously not not uh, Rick or Carl. Um, Carol's not there. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it's someone from the original group, and it's got to be someone who, you know, kind of in the the language of the show is you're not allowed to be too happy. Yeah, world, and he just kind of recently, you know kind of battled with his demons and and got his head on straight and um has uh um you know hooked up with sasha yeah and he's he's been all hopeful it's like you know he, he broke up with you know hot chick number one guy with hot chick number two he's <laughs> on top of the world right now um and i think uh i so so i think it's someone i think it's him because his death would have an impact. He's a he's a loved he's a beloved character, uh, but he's also a soldier. So, you know, you've already kind of. It's not surprising that he would be taken down. He's always kind of the first one to rush into danger, and again, the the show kind of has a history of taking out people who um, are feeling too opti- <laughs> are feeling too optimistic. Yeah. Um. So that's. That's my prediction. I think it's, uh, I think it's Abraham. Okay. And and it's and it's not like, like you said, it would mean the most to the group if Glenn was killed, but I don't think Negan would necessarily know that. That's I mean, I true. Think he knows who the leader is, and you know, he knows. Obviously, he can see that Glenn and Maggie are together, but I don't think he knows like the hierarchy of you know. Well, he's been watching the- them for a while, so. So, yeah, um, but but how how would you look and say that you know there's there's no way to I, I, at least I don't think there's any way to, to be like me killing Glenn would hurt them more than if I killed Daryl yeah or if I killed you know Carl or you know I mean like, I feel like they're all family yeah at this point and I don't I don't and I think the nuance of what would hurt more um, I don't know that he could pick up on that yeah um, and it also might be you know, just from a physical standpoint, you know, take out the biggest guy. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, who true. Would be Abraham. Okay. And he did. He kind of he kind of gave him some attitude too. Like when he was walking back and forth, looking at people. You know, he he kind of looked him in the eye and kind of straightened up his back a little bit. Give him the stink eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, Scott, I hope we didn't. Uh, I hope we didn't go too long on that. Another couple of predictions is that the. Um, I think that the saviors are going to be taken out pretty quickly this season. I think Carol's going to have a lot to do with that. And I don't expect Negan's uh, storyline to go past one season. I think he's going to have a one-season arc, just like the governor did. And he's going to be like the villain of the year kind of thing. So, And expect Jesus to have a major role this season. And I think that we're going to get a lot of new characters introduced because I think that, that we're going to have a couple of big battles that we're going to lose some of the characters that have been around for a while and uh, which is pretty par for the course on the walking dead. You know, you lose people all the time. You lose at least what, two, three people, major characters every year. Yeah. Yeah, So give or take. So uh, if you guys liked what you heard, then you can uh, find us talking uh, about stuff like this all the time on our show, cosmic potato, the super fan talk podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcast, as well as our website at cosmicpotato.com. Take care. All right, so that was uh, what we're going to send to Scott as far as our predictions for The Walking Dead. Now we're going to 
jump over and do our uh, main topic for this show. And tonight uh, we're going to be talking about films that are based on actual events. And I kind of got this idea because a couple of weeks ago, of course, was a uh, 9-11 and they start showing movies like World Trade Center and United 93. And I just realized there are tons and tons of movies that are based on stuff that actually happened. And I started thinking about how, how many of them are based on things that happen and how many are just inspired by things that happen. You know, a lot of them take a lot of creative license and uh, their creative license can be pretty liberal sometimes. So <laughs> I thought we'd make a list of uh, some of our favorites. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll do uh, three each, and then we'll see where we are in time. We may do a couple more. So I'll let you go first, John. Okay. Um, the first one on my list was um, – it was actually – it was almost literally the first one I thought of, I think, is when I was thinking about films based on true life. And it was uh, Philadelphia – from uh, 1993, starring uh, Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. Um, as I was as I was coming up with these lists, I was like, "Man, Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington are in a lot of these." I thought the same thing. <laughs> I think Tom Tom Hanks is going to have a recurring role on the show tonight. I believe yeah. <laughs> he's done a lot of uh, actual event type movies. I was like, I could just do a whole Tom Hanks show. Yeah, um, we may do that. Let me write that. Down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually, yeah, just, we just pick out like a. a honored like an, an actor or actress to honor yeah um yeah so philadelphia came out in 93 uh, and like, like i said this one um really kind of stuck out in my mind it was the first film that i saw anyway that i felt um showed homosexual homosexuality and the aids crisis you know from like a human perspective mm-hmm. and not um, you know, those people over there. And it, I mean, that was in the movie because, you know, a lot of people were reacting that way, but, but like, as far as the movie itself, you know, it, it is like, no, these, these are humans and this is the tragedy that they're, they're living through. And he's still got the courage to fight, you know, even as he is dying. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Um, so that, that movie, and I can't remember, I think I actually did see it in the theater. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, it just really made an impression on me. I really liked it. Yeah. I remember there, uh, and this is kind of making light of it a little bit, but there was a skit on Saturday Night Live uh, around the time that it came out that was, uh, the Philadelphia inspired action figures. <laughs> and it was like an action figure of Tom Hanks. And I think he had one of Antonio Banderas because Antonio Banderas plays his uh, his partner in that in that movie, and uh, they're kind of acting out the scene where Tom Hanks is in the bed and he and he's dying, and then all of a sudden they jump up and they've got machine guns and they're being attacked and stuff like that. Turns it into like an action movie or whatever. But when you were talking about that, just just and that's how that's how twisted I am. <laughs> that jumped into my mind. I remember this this uh, skit they did on Saturday Night Live uh, around that same time, but. Uh, my first pick is uh, from 2010. It's 127 hours, mm. and this movie stars James Franco, and it's based on the book "A Rock in a Hard Place" by a guy named Aaron Ralston. And in the movie, Franco plays Ralston, who's like this extreme sports kind of guy that likes to go biking and hiking and uh, rock climbing and stuff like that. He gets up one morning and goes for a hike with his video camera to climb on some rock formations in the Utah Canyonlands National Park. 
he ends up slipping and falling into a slot canyon and this boulder settles on his arm and pins him to the wall. And it's called 127 hours because that's how long he was stuck there. He documents uh, what he's what he's thinking and uh, how he's trying to figure a way out. You know, he's got he's got the video camera with him, and as he starts to run out of water, he becomes more and more depressed, and he starts to hallucinate to the point that he's not even sure if he's actually still there or if he's dreaming. And I think Franco really pulled this part off. And Franco's one of those actors that I was talking about a couple of weeks ago when I was complaining about Seth Rogen. James Franco has done some stupid comedies and he still, and he still does them from time to time, but he's proven that he's capable of doing a lot more. And he's interesting. He's interested in becoming a, a better actor. I I was in this movie the whole time. Of course I knew he was going to survive because the guy that's based on is a lot, is still alive. And he wrote a book about it. He lost his arm. He ended up having to cut his arm off, which is a really hard scene to watch. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's my first pick, 127 hours. Okay. Have um, you ever, have you ever seen, seen that? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I, I, I mean, obviously I know what happens. I know he cuts the arm off. Yeah. It's just one of those uh, movies that you've got an actor that is basically carrying more than two thirds of the movie by himself. You know, kind of like going back to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks made made the movie uh, Castaway, and right. uh, and Sandra Bullock made Interstellar. Was it no? It was Interstellar Gravity. Gravity? Yeah, she was in Gravity. And um, and you know, when you find um, an actor that can carry an entire movie by themselves and keep the audience interested, you know, that's a sign of a good actor. Right, and and he's especially, you know, Tom Hanks. At least got to run around the island. He's literally stuck in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I presume I haven't seen it. I mean, I don't... yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. They yeah. kind of do some. They, I think they do some flashbacks, and they kind of do some weird stuff with the uh, with the camera that he's doing because, like I said, he's starting to hallucinate and stuff. So they kind of uh, work around that a little bit. But for the most part, yeah, he's just stuck there with his arm pinned between a, a rock and a hard place. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one on my list is. Uh... <laughs> Denzel Washington again um, in uh, Malcolm X by Spike Lee in uh, 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, f- for me, that was um, it was informative. Um, I hadn't read the the book, the um, autobiography of Malcolm X at that point, um, so it was you know all I knew from Malcolm X was you know the big you know the 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 media impression of him. So I didn't know. Um, you know, he, he was, you know, he grew up a criminal, uh, he was a con man. He went to jail. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know any of that. And, um, I felt like the, you know, the Denzel Washington performance and the Spike Lee, uh, direction, um, made this really engaging, compelling story, um, from start to finish. So you saw, you know, the whole progression, um, from, from the man to the icon, um, the last scene I could have done without, like the very last scene with I'm Malcolm X, I'm Malcolm X, I'm Malcolm X. Okay, all right, settle down. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I feel like that was kind of like really the only real criticism I have. I, I feel like the movie was, you know, a success from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Except for that last part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so success from start to not quite finish. 
I'd have to go back and watch it. I haven't seen it since high school. We had, of course, the autobiography of Malcolm X um, was controversial, and so they couldn't actually assign uh, make us read it in school. Right. So I never, I never uh, read the book, but we did have a teacher that strongly suggested that we watch the movie. You know, he could he couldn't tell us to watch the movie, and he couldn't test us on it, but he did suggest that we watch it so we watched i watched it on my own i remember watching it then uh and i i've got things that i remember about it and of course things that i don't when you said that about the end i kind of remember that but i but not specifically so that's that's one of those that i need to go back and watch again but denzel has always been one of my one of my favorite actors and uh going back to mr hanks (laughs) um so two of the two of the picks on my uh, list. Well, one of them that I know I'll mention. One that I'm not sure if I'll bring up or not. But uh, this one is Saving Private Ryan. So Hanks plays a. The way this movie works is that it's kind of a subgenre of what we're talking about because this movie is entirely fictional, but it takes place during something that actually happened. You know, so it's uh and as far as i can tell the the actual events are pretty close to dead on in in this movie um but the actual story that the characters are going through did not happen as we as as far as i know it didn't actually happen but hanks plays a world war 2 army captain that's ordered to go and find a private by the name of james ryan uh his brothers have all been killed in various battles in the war and the army had a policy called the sole survivor policy that said that if all the members of someone's family were drafted into the army and all of them but one were killed in battle, then the last one would be sent home to their to their family. And so that's what was happening with uh, with Private Ryan. He was he was the last one of his mother's sons, so he was going to get a ticket home. The movie takes place right around the Normandy invasion in World War II, and even though I wasn't actually there, <laughs> everything that I've heard says that Spielberg pretty much got this right. That There were reports of veterans that went into the movie that had to be carried out after the movie had only been on for a few minutes because they were it was bringing back too many painful memories for them. A lot of them said that the battle that opened this movie and all the death and dismemberment that it showed was absolutely spot on, and the only thing that was missing was the smell of death mixed with salt water and sand. You know, So the first 15 minutes or so, are really hard to watch. But if you make it through and get into the heart of the movie, I think you really find something special. There's one line in this movie that I remember, um, I can't shake, is at the end, and I guess it's a spoiler for a, what, a 20, 25-year-old movie, something like that. Um, spoiler that, uh, as Tom Hanks yeah, says, there's, yeah, well, there's a big battle at the end, and all these soldiers are giving their lives on these orders to bring this one guy home and bring him home alive. And Tom Hanks looks at him as he's dying and just says, earn this, you know? And in a way, I think he was, he was talking to all of us, you know, all these soldiers that are dying, uh, for your freedom, earn this, you know? So, uh, so yeah, saving private Ryan is, is, it's not only a good movie. It's at the time, it was kind of cutting edge as far as um, uh, war movies. This was the first one that I remember 
in my lifetime, people talking about how realistic of a war movie it really was. Spielberg really went out of his way to 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 make it as realistic as he could. Yeah. Um, that actually, I I didn't put it on my list. I'm, I'm, I decided to make it an honorable mention, but um, I'll, I'll go ahead and mention it. Um, once again, Tom Hanks, um, Forrest Gump, uh, was I, I thought about adding that one uh, as, as far as being a fictional film, but you know he obviously this this simple character weaves in and out through all these you know monumental moments of history. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, my next actual pick um, does not star Tom Hanks <laughs> that I know of. I mean, he might he might have done some prosthetics. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Argo from uh, 2006. Yeah. Um, Has it been that long? 2006. Wow. No, it doesn't sound right. Yeah, I was thinking that's just a couple maybe of years the, ago. Maybe when the book came out or something. Oh, Internet, you failed me again. 2012. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that like, this was like a fantastic story that I just knew nothing about. I mean, um, obviously like the whole operation was like top secret or whatever, but you know, it's set, um, like the, when all of this was actually happening, um, you know, I was like a kid, you know, I was, I was a, not quite a baby, but um, I, I didn't know anything about, or didn't pay any attention to the actual events, um, of the film. And, um, for those of you who don't know, um, basically there, there are these hostages and the plan that the government comes up with, um, to, to get them out is to pretend that they're a film crew, um, filming a, uh, a science fiction epic and the name of the film, the fake film, is Argo. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben Affleck uh, plays the director of this fake film, and so they have to sneak in and um, smuggle out the the Americans. Um, and like I said, it was a story that I didn't really know about. And it's also, um, as I was trying to think of films based on real events, um, a lot of them are really depressing. <laughs> they're really sad, yeah. sad movies. They'll, they'll, you know, they're Oscar-worthy, sad, depressing films. Um, so, uh, you know, this one, you know, is is tense and it's a thriller. But I mean, it's. Uh, I would say it's. Um, I wouldn't say it's not a drama, but I would certainly. You'd be justified to call it a comedy as well. Yeah, um, or, or at least um, it had its lighter moments. Yeah, too. it had aspects of com. It had aspects of comedy and drama. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, after you know, part of like the first three, I thought of. I'm like, man, I'm really bumming myself out here. So I had to, <laughs> had to balance out my list, and uh, Argo uh, was the first one that's uh, on my list that does that. Yeah, yeah, and Argo makes me uh, even more excited for the solo Batman movie that we're going to get in the next year or so because Ben Affleck won an Oscar for that movie for directing. And so as far as I know, we're now going to get the first superhero movie directed by an Academy award winning director. 
that I can think of I'll, off the top of my head. I'll, uh, I'll have to think about that. That's, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, <laughs> technically. Well, as far as having won, the, having won the Academy Award before they directed the, the superhero movie. Well, I'm trying to remember. Has Kenneth Branagh won? Because he directed Thor. He directed the first Thor. And I can't remember if he had won an Oscar. He may have. Let me, not. I'll look him up. Let's see. It's a race now. Does he? Who does it first? Kenneth Braun, Brana. Yeah. Um. I don't see the word. Uh, he was nominated for best live action short film for Swan Song in 1992. I'm not seeing where he actually won. Uh, Let's go accolades. Nominations, nominations. Yeah, he was nominated for um, Henry V, but didn't win. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been nominated for acting a couple of times. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but... um, And, I I mean, I could be completely wrong on that, but as just as far as as I actually know, this will be the first time that a director that has won an Academy Award previously will be directing a popcorn superhero movie so i'm kind of looking forward to it not that it's going to be on the level with argo you know but it's uh but it'll be it'll be interesting to see i just want it to be yeah i'm uh, i'll probably rent suicide squad probably but uh you know my batman v superman i'm pretty much ruined the dc universe for me (laughs) yeah so it's it uh i will like he can he'll I'll open the door for him and see, you know, if I'll buy what he's selling. But, you know, okay. everybody else, I'm just turning out the lights and pretending. I'm- <laughs> My next pick does not star Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington. It is uh, Goodfellas from 1990. Yeah, it's on my list. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, it's it's, uh, it's, it's on my it's on my uh, honorable mention list. It stars Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Ray Liotta. Well, I mean, it stars a lot more people than that, but those are the <laughs> those are the main three. And, it stars every Italian actor. <laughs> yeah, of course, it was uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, and it's supposed to be a biography on the life of Henry Hill. And the thing, the thing about it is that a lot of it's probably made up because I know Scorsese used uh, a lot of creative license. And there's the fact that Henry Hill was a storyteller and probably embellished a lot when he was telling his stories. But what we do know is that Henry Hill, who is the character that Ray Liotta plays in the movie was a guy that got into working with the mafia when he was a kid. He did chores and deliveries and stuff for the, for the local boss and worked his way up. He could never be a full fledged made guy because he wasn't Italian, but he did a lot, for him he made a lot of money for him and he ended up turning on him and a lot of top level mob guys went to jail because he became an informant for the fbi and testified against him so the movie is great if you're somebody like me that likes mafia movies i love mafia movies there's just something about the organized crime genre that i love i know it's horrible in real life i know that the organized crime is a real thing and i don't want yeah, to say for the that. record kid i you know i love organized crime <laughs> but but uh but the fantasy of it in the movies has always appealed to me i'm a, i'm i'm a huge godfather fan and this movie i think is not as good as godfather but it's on that level it's a, it's up there the third act of this movie is the only thing that kind of loses me because after 
Henry uh, kind of gets into running drugs and stuff, which that's a big thing. The mob boss doesn't believe in getting into drugs, but some of the mobsters know that that's where the money is at the time that the story takes place. So Henry starts starts running drugs. There's the camera angles all of a sudden change, and there's a helicopter following him around and stuff like that, and it and it just gets kind of weird. But um, the rest the rest of the movie I thought was great. The movie ends at the trial, but Henry's story didn't end there. He got he got the real guy actually got kicked out of witness protection because he couldn't stay clean and he couldn't stay out of jail. <laughs> and but even though he got kicked out of witness protection, he never ended up getting killed by the mafia. He ended up dying a couple of years ago from natural causes. All, um, he so out he outlived all of his all of his enemies. You know so. But but yeah, Goodfellas is uh, definitely one of the one of the best uh, organized crime movies that that I know of. Yeah. Um. For for those of you um, listening in need of grammatical assistance, that's organized crime movies, not organized crime movies. <laughs> Could be either one, I guess. <laughs> Although, thankfully, you know, they both apply. Aren't words uh, fun? <laughs> all right. Um, so, I guess my last one before my honorable mention list um, goes back to Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, and actually back to Steven Spielberg as well. Uh, Catch Me If You Can from uh, 2002. Um, uh, again for the comedy aspect of it. Um, and it's a really engaging story and the, the visuals of it are great too. Cause it's set in, uh, 1963, I think. Um, so it's got the whole, you know, kind of mad men flair with the suits and everyone's super sleek and awesome. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so basically it's about, um, this, uh, con man, uh, played by uh, uh, wow, I can't remember his name. Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Um, he's so beautiful. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> so yeah, so he he basically plays this uh, this kind of genius level criminal um, who starts off by. Um, you know, it's kind of being a con man and, you know, like lower level scams and kind of evolves up to counterfeiting and like kind of major, he like pretends to be a doctor. He pretends to be a pilot. Um, and he just, he just pulls it off with you know, cockiness and he's his intellect. And, uh, Tom Hanks is the, uh, is the, um, agent who's chasing him and everybody's kind of, laughs off Tom Hanks because the, the, the first thing he shows up on the radio for is a uh, check fraud, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is kind of a new thing and people don't really, you know, it's people kind of laugh it off. It's like, a, so he doesn't, so Hanks doesn't really get, get any resources. He doesn't get a lot of support. Uh, so it's this cat and mouse game, uh, between the two of them. And, um, it's also nicely done in the sense that, you're not necessarily. You don't want them to catch. You don't want them to catch them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're kind of rooting for both of them, mm-hmm. um, and so you know the, the ending is probably the 
you know, it's, it's very satisfying in that they both kind of get away. They're both kind of justified, I guess, mm-hmm. both kind of vindicated. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was this is it's a it's a really fun movie, and um, <laughs> there's there's you know it's it's criminal, but it's not organized crime level. Yeah, not not a lot of murder. There was a documentary. The guy, the guy that Leonardo DiCaprio played, his name is Frank Abagnale, and yeah. um, there was a documentary that came on the History Channel about the time that this movie came out that I remember watching. And the real guy, they they interviewed the real guy and all that. He he really is super smart. He, he, you know, some of the stuff that he came up with that he got away with for so long was really genius. He um. He actually now works for the FBI and coaches people in finding people doing the things that he used to get away with. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, and then and looking at the list of movies that Tom Hanks does Tom Hanks make any movies that aren't based on real people? He does <laughs> because he I mean he's got one out now. I mean he's in that movie solely now. He did Captain Phillips a couple of years ago. That was based on a, on a real story. Uh, and even the movie that he made where he was stuck in the airport. Uh, yeah, yeah. He That was kind of sort of based on a real guy that was stuck in an airport for like 12 years or something like that. But yeah, he, he I, I guess he just likes making biopics of people. Well, you know what? Bridge of Spies, too. That was... Yeah, Bridge of Spies, yeah. Well, that, that was based on real life, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, Cloud Atlas. There you go. <laughs> and uh it hasn't happened yet but it's totally gonna happen just that way and he he was also in the next one on my list which is apollo 13 all right yeah he uh it's another one that i love because when i was a kid i was a space nut you know i, I had books about planets i had posters of space shuttles on my wall and uh for a long time i thought that's what i was going to be when i grew up i thought i was going to be an astronaut even even after uh, the third grade when we saw the Challenger explode, you know, the entire class saw it explode on TV. I still wanted to be an astronaut after that, but, um, not too late, Sean. what's that? It's not too late, man. <laughs> I couldn't pass the physical now, <laughs> but, but, uh, this movie came out about, um, three weeks after I graduated high school, I think. I, and I must've seen it three times in the theater because I remember that it was one of the first movies that my local theater showed that, uh, after they had installed these big state-of-the-art surround sound systems in all the theaters, and if you if you sat in one of the adjacent theaters and saw a different movie, then in the scene when the when the rocket launched, the walls would shake, you know, and, and you thought that there was an earthquake happening, and no, it was just the movie next to you was really loud. So, um, it, the movie is about the ill-fated voyage of Apollo 13, which was supposed to be a mission to the moon. By the time by that time, we had actually been on the moon a couple of times, uh, but it was pretty much what every astronaut wanted to do. One of the oxygen tanks exploded, and the other one was leaking, so they got thrown off course, and they, they didn't even know if they'd make it home. Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, they play the crew, who in real life, their names were Jim Lovell, uh, Jack Swigert, and Fred Hayes. The movie also had uh, Gary Sinise and Ned Harris, and it was directed by Ron Howard. And I remember it being a big deal that Ron Howard was taking on this project because up to that point, he had only done comedies like Parenthood and over-the-top action movies like uh, Backdraft 
And so, uh-huh. so this was the first, uh, like, real-life uh, true story that he had done. But the movie's fantastic, especially if you're a space nerd. It just, it, it's one of the first times that uh, they were able to actually make people weightless in a movie without yeah. just suspending everybody with wires. So what they did was uh, they simulated the lack of gravity. by the, They went up in an airplane called a KC-135. And the way it works is the plane goes way up in the atmosphere, and then it flies at a sharp incline, like like really steep, and then it just dives for 25 seconds. And while it's diving, you have complete weightlessness, so they can shoot for 25 seconds at a time. But the downside is that the plane that you're on is constantly going up and down and up and down, right. and you're weightless, and then you're not, and then you're weightless, and then you're not. And so it was very nauseating. I remember uh, Ron Howard being on a talk show at the time and talking about how the cameraman was uh, was shooting and spewing at the same time. <laughs> you know, so, but uh, Jim Lovell went to the premiere. He said that the movie was very accurate as to what happened up there. The only difference was the swearing. He said they didn't swear while they were going through it. But you you know, it's hard to make a PG thirteen movie without having a few swears every now and then. But yeah, Apollo thirteen. Let's. Uh, you got you got an honorable mention for me. I got I got a few. Okay. Um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh yeah, I almost put that on my list. Yeah. So this stars. Uh, uh, I actually didn't realize George Clooney had directed it, or at least I didn't remember mm-hmm. that George Clooney had directed it, starring uh, Sam Rockwell as uh, so uh, Chuck Barris. Yeah. Confused with Chuck Berry. Uh, Chuck <laughs> Barris, uh, the host of the Gong Show. Uh, wrote an autobiography claiming that he was actually a uh, covert hitman for the CIA. Right. <laughs> um, and so while this film is based on that memoir, it may not in fact be based on anyone else's reality except Chuck, Chuck Barris, but the way that the film is done, uh, it it allows the possibility for either to be true. Yeah. He could be crazy or he could actually be. A hitman yeah. The yeah. They, they show the, they show the scenes that he talks about being, being a hitman as actual scenes in the movie. And you can't tell whether it's like, a, whether he's delusional or, right. or it's actually happening. You know? Yeah. It was really well done. Um, Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Which I actually just, I didn't know was based on reality until I was started uh, looking up movies for this episode. Um, Hotel Rwanda, because um, it was just horrific and it's seared into my brain. Yeah. Um, Inglorious Bastards, for the same reason as uh, as Forrest Gump, which um, you know starts off with a uh, you know a basis in a shared reality and then kind of spins off into its own uh universe and i and i and i i appreciated that um inglorious bastards was unapologetic you know it's like it's a movie i can do what i want yeah <laughs> like, yeah like i but hitler didn't die that way it's a movie <laughs> brad pitt wasn't there either it's a movie right so um you know hats off to tarantino once again um and i think yeah that's it for my list the only, uh, I think I've only got one. Well, okay, I've got a couple. Uh, one is The Rookie from 2002, 
um, had Dennis Quaid. It was a Walt Disney movie. Actually, a live-action movie that was rated G. We don't even get cartoons now that are rated G. <laughs> but uh, it's about a guy that uh, he, he's uh, like a high school baseball coach, and his team tells him that if they if they make it to the state playoffs, that he has to go try out for the major leagues because he used to be uh, like a minor league player and never made it to the major leagues. So he goes and tries out, and he makes it, and he actually plays uh, two years. The guy's name was Jim Morris. Oh, that's cute. And, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty good movie. And um then you've got the only other one I've got is The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. The Life of Jordan Belfort, which I, the only reason I didn't put it on my main list is because I don't really believe anything that Belfort says. So <laughs> I don't know how much of the movie was just an embellishment, you know, but it was it was a pretty entertaining movie. I'll I'll, I'll give it that. Um but that's is, I don't think I've heard of that one. Really, the Wolf of Wall Street? It's uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying like the life of Belfort. I didn't oh no, the no, no. It's based I, on I the life of Jordan Belfort. Yeah, the Wolf of gotcha. Wall Street is uh, Martin Scorsese directed it. Had uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill yeah. was in. You know what? I just so um, I go to a trivia night um, when I can, but it's it's hosted by a friend of mine and. Um, one of the games that he'll do is basically this or that. And uh, so I think I might whip something up for the next episode of, of our cinematic games. Okay. And so, and it occurred to me when you were, you were talking about the Wolf of Wall Street, I was like, okay, so um, I'll give you two options and you say uh, greater than, less than, or equal to. Um, so biopics starring... Tom Hanks biopics starring Leonardo DiCaprio. I'd say Tom Hanks is greater than mainly because there's more of them. Leonardo DiCaprio's um, career hasn't. What? Yeah, I just mean. Yeah, but the, as far as the movie, and Tom Hanks. Yeah, Probably. I think Tom, I haven't looked it up, but it, it's, it occurred to me. So maybe I'll I'll do some of yeah. those for the for the next uh, episode. Okay. And I'll also have the answer for you. Although you're probably right, it's probably Tom Hanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that does it for our list of uh, our favorite movies based on actual events. If you want to tell us about the movies that you would have put on this list if you'd been here, then go ahead and look us up on Facebook or Twitter. Send us a message. Just search for Cosmic Potato and you'll find us. You can also send us an email at mail at cosmicpotato.com. And make sure you visit our website at cosmicpotato.com where you'll find uh, every episode of this show as well as the others that i do including shrinking sean life and stripes which is a project that i work on with my wife and the prime direction which is the show where i talk to people that have loved star trek for their whole life and we discuss what they love about the show and what it means to them i'm having a great time doing that and john did i tell you that i interviewed uh vic mignona last night for the show for the prime direction do you know who he is yeah, I, I I saw it on Facebook. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he uh, I, of course he plays Captain Kirk in Star Trek Continues, but he also did voices for Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. So that episode, uh, by the time this episode drops, that episode is probably out as well. So go to our website. You can hear the show there, or you can download it from iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, all that kind of stuff. So, and uh, remember wherever you do find the show make sure you help us out by giving us a rate and a review and that's going to help other people find the podcast john thanks for being here tonight 
Sure, no problem. And that'll do it. Thank you for listening, and uh, be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato when you might hear John say, You know, it's a little-known fact that uh, Castaway was actually a biopic. It told the harrowing story of Wilson! (laughs) I love Wilson. (laughs) 